Hey guys, welcome back to Eating Salads. It's me again, Austin Crosby. Today we are having a leftover salad from that salad I told you about last night. It has romaine, Italian mix, as well as corn, fresco, queso, tomato, and a puffy taco. I've also got some tortilla chips on here. I'm pretty hungry, so I'm going to dig in. That's how Mexican leftovers always go. You get terribly full when you eat them, and then you wake up the next morning so hungry. Mm. Wow, this puffy taco. I think I prefer it soggy. It goes without saying, guys. I like soft tacos more than I like hard tacos. So nine times out of ten, I will have a soft taco over a hard one. But in the case of, say, a Doritos Locos taco or a free taco, of course I'll enjoy a hard shell taco. I also really prefer flour tortillas to corn, except for in the case of chips. So I definitely need to get more coffee today. We got off to a late start. I've had only one cup of coffee so far, but that salad was a pretty good way to start the day. I will also say that we mentioned last night that we wanted to go get Ben & Jerry's Boots on the Moon. I think that mission will carry over into today. You gotta get some stuff taken care of first, but then we will go on the hunt. I also wanna talk about this autonomous zone that's popped up in Seattle. Maybe I'll first say a quick thing or two about Super Rico, which obviously donated the leftovers to the salad we just made. They really have amazing appetizers. When you go there, they give you two different kinds of salsa. They're fantastic. You can get an amazing margarita. Their fajitas are pretty good. The best thing I've ever had there, I think, is their queso fundido that we had last night. That is unfair how delicious it is. It doesn't make sense. And you could be forgiven ordering that as an entree. It is a skillet filled with melted cheese that has seasonings in it. It comes with three or four flour tortillas that are made in-house. And a kind of puree salsa that is green. I also think it is a more pure version of the green salsa they bring you with your chips. It either way is amazing. I can't recommend that enough. We used to go to Superica for brunch, and I believe it has the best brunch in town because you can get chilaquiles, which are a bed of chips with eggs and fixins on top, and a margarita. Real quick about this autonomous zone in Seattle. I don't think it's been since I've started this podcast that I've been to Seattle. Casey has a friend who lives there, and we visited last year. It's one of the most wild towns I've been to, especially lately. For the last few years, they've not enforced any crime that has to do with standard of living. And what I mean by that is they will have nothing to do with homeless people. They won't enforce drug use to the extent that it is being flaunted. And what I mean by that, of course, Seattle has legalized marijuana, and I'm very pro-legalizing all drugs, but there still needs to be something ironed out with public drug use. So to elaborate, when you go to states like Colorado, namely Colorado, let's stick with Colorado, you can go buy marijuana at a store, but they put you through an awkward rigmarole. I would say it is three times more awkward than going to a liquor store. 
in most states. What I mean by that is you have to get your ID checked at the door. Then you have to get your ID checked at the counter. Sometimes you have to then wait for an attendant. And then until recently, you could not use a credit card. So you had to go to an ATM, etc. And they're hypersensitized towards any language you might use. Similarly to if you mentioned bongs in a head shop. You know, you have that stereotype of you say bong when referring to a bong and the guy goes, oh, you can't say that, it's a water pipe. That kind of thing persists in a lot of these marijuana stores in Colorado. Then in Colorado, you're almost not allowed to smoke anywhere, but in the privacy of your own home. I think that that carried over from cigarettes, people who I believe wrongly get on their high horse about other people smoking in public. I think it's your right to smoke in public. I would go so far as to say that. But that gets complicated when you go to a place where people effectively can do anything they want in public, like Seattle. To compare, Seattle, you go into a weed shop and it is more akin to a footlocker than Colorado, which is more akin to a gun shop. Even stricter sometimes than a gun shop. A gun shop, once you pick out a gun, you have to go through a rigmarole. But a gun shop, typically, they don't ID you when you come in and then again... They don't ID you until you buy something. In Colorado, they ID you multiple times. They scan it with some fancy scanner. You get the idea. Seattle, they check your ID at the door like a bar, and then once you're in, it is whatever you want. And that's fine, I guess. I don't have a problem with that version. What gets me is in Seattle, you're effectively not supposed to smoke out in public. But the very first thing you notice is that everyone is just smoking weed on the streets. That's a fun vibe. That's okay. But then you realize, well, if you're smoking weed on the streets, people are shooting up on the streets. You start finding needles everywhere. You start seeing litter everywhere. There's homeless people screaming and having episodes on every street corner. Seattle, not a nice place to be because of this problem. It's beautiful. I don't want to get too deep into that, but it's a huge thing there. We went to the public library at one point, and I went to the bathroom, and there was a dude shooting up at the mirror in the bathroom. All of their stalls in the bathroom were cut in half vertically so that there was only a little tiny gate to get into all the stalls. You could see right into them. They were open. And that can only be because of the drug problem that they have there. We went to the aquarium on family day because it was the only day we were there. And people were smoking marijuana in the aquarium, like inside. So all those things considered, you can be extremely pro freedom and still think that there's something to be done culturally for Seattle, especially as it pertains to the homeless. Well, now, because of all these protests, etc., they have an autonomous zone. You see it on the news. It's shown as a place where police are not welcome. The police precinct had been abandoned and now is taken over. They've put up barricades with armed citizens, I suppose you'd say who check IDs and stuff before you go in. I don't know why. That's also reported. You know, everything's lost in the fog of war kind of rumor mill. But then once you're in there, other people are saying it's kind of like a festival or a farmer's market. The point being that it's a place where the police are not welcome. And I hear that. I kind of like that. I'd forgotten until this morning when I was reminded. Since 1971, Copenhagen has had a autonomous zone in the middle of the city. I've seen some footage. I can't remember if it was a travel documentary I watched about it or a video especially about that. But 
I find it really interesting that there is a precedent for this. I don't think you're going to get a better quality city than Copenhagen, Denmark, and they have an autonomous zone. Now, famously, that autonomous zone is someplace where people go to buy drugs, but it is not someplace where people go to buy assassins or sex slaves, as far as I know. And I can't help but think that if that kind of thing is possible in Denmark and has been let allowed to exist for 50 years, how it could kind of work in Seattle. It's also weird that they did it in an already populated and built up part of the city. That will cause some issue, I'm sure. They should have made an autonomous zone on the outskirts of town. But time will tell how that goes. I'm sure it will get shut down by the National Guard in the coming weeks even though it seems to have the support of some city officials. Anyway, food for thought. I'm rambling on here. Seattle is a wild place, and I hope this autonomous zone works out for the best because I do like the idea of experimenting with that sort of thing, and I want to know more and more what developed areas would look like without police. This is something that's gotten me interested in seasteading in the past, the idea of cooperatives of private individuals or companies starting small utopian cities on the water where they answer to nobody. It would just be micronation experimenting, and autonomous zones represent something akin to that, right? So does the Vatican. That's essentially a lawless state run by a gang. Anyway, guys, come again tomorrow. Enjoy a salad of your own. Thank you very much.